0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري وييسر لي أمري وأحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا ونفعنا بما علمتنا وزيدنا علما أما بعد فالسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته إن شاء الله tonight we will conclude this series on the tafsir of surah yusuf this is the 10th lesson alhamdulillah and with this lesson inshallah we will conclude the surah over the last nine weeks we have spoken about the beauty of this surah which contains the narration of the story of yusuf from his childhood up to his adulthood up to the time where he was reunited with his with his brothers and with his family and he relocated his family from philistine to egypt so we spoke about the story of yusuf السلام, as a child the dream that he had how he narrated it to his father how his father warned him to be careful of his other brothers because they would be jealous how those brothers actually became very envious and jealous and they took yusuf السلام, and they threw him into a well how he was found in that well by some people in a caravan who were on their way to Egypt, and he was taken to Egypt and sold into slavery and bought by a very powerful man. And how eventually, after living for a few years in the home of that powerful man, the wife of that man tried to tempt Yusuf alayhi salam, who was who was a very handsome man. Yusuf alayhi salam was was a person whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave a great amount of, of beauty to. So the wife of the one in whose home Yusuf was growing up in. She tried to tempt Yusuf to commit an act of immorality. With her, he refused to do that. And she had him imprisoned falsely because of that. He spent many years in prison. He gave da'wah to the people of prison. uh, And after spending a number of years in prison, he interpreted a dream of the king of Egypt himself. And the king was so impressed that the king got him out of prison And of course his reputation was restored by this point. It was known by everyone that Yusuf was never even guilty. The king put him in a very powerful position. He became basically in charge of distributing the foodstuffs of Egypt. He became basically the treasurer of Egypt. Uh, His brothers came and they didn't recognize who he was, right? but he was in a position of, of extreme power. And eventually he revealed himself to his brothers. And he forgave them for what they did to him decades earlier. And he told them to go back to Philistine and bring the whole family and let them relocate in Egypt. So this is how the story comes full circle. Yusuf a.s. is reuni- reunited with his father. He's reunited with his brothers. All, the, all the, the, the bad feelings that were there, they are all gone now. And uh, the brothers of Yusuf, they, they live in Egypt now with their brother, alhamdulillah and everything uh, you know, is, is, is in, in, a, in a good state now, Alhamdulillah. Everyone is getting along with each other, that jealousy is gone, that, uh, those, that animosity is gone, Alhamdulillah. So this is a story that has a very happy ending, actually, Alhamdulillah. Ya'qub alayhi salam, the father of Yusuf alayhi salam, after being away from him for so many years and crying so much out of sadness and actually losing his eyesight due to that, that crying and that sadness, his eyesight is restored, alhamdulillah. He is reunited with his son, alhamdulillah. And his whole family is together once again. And the relationships with each other become very strong now because all that, all those bad feelings, all that animosity, all that jealousy is gone, alhamdulillah. So now everyone is living together in Egypt in peace, alhamdulillah. And Yusuf, alayhi salam, is, is very powerful. Uh, and he's in a, in a great position to take care of his family in a very good way, alhamdulillah. So this is how Yusuf alayhi salam and Bani Israel became very firmly established in Egypt, right? So this is a, a story with a really happy ending, alhamdulillah, for all the parties involved, right? Yusuf alayhi salam, his father, his brothers, alhamdulillah, it's a happy ending for everyone. And Yusuf alayhi salam recognizes this, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he blessed him so much. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought the whole family back together again. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reunited Yusuf alayhi salam with his father, right? So Yusuf alayhi salam recognizes this great favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon him. That, Ya Allah, you made me so powerful. You gave me, you know, you gave me this position on earth. You gave me a dominion. You gave me, from the kingdom. I'm, I'm in a position of such authority and power. And you, you, you gave me knowledge of how to interpret dreams. So he recognizes and thanks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this favor. So he makes this dua. رَبِّي قَدْ آتَيْتَنِي مِنَ الْمُلْكِ min مِنْ تَأْوِيلِ hadith. Oh my Lord, you gave me from the kingdom. I mean, you gave me this position that I have where I am in authority. al مِنْ تَأْوِيلِ you. You taught me the interpretation of dreams. So he's just mentioning some of the favors, recognizing some of the favors of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala upon him. And then he calls upon Allah. O oh Creator, Originator of the heavens and the earth, Ya Allah, anta fid dunya You are my You are my protector. You are my my guardian. You are my friend, Ya Allah, in this world and in the hereafter. Tawafani Muslima when my time comes to die ya allah make me die as a muslim take me up in death as a muslim when my time comes as someone who submits completely to, to you wa alhiqni and join me with the righteous ones when i die let me die as a muslim and take me up and let me be in the companionship of the righteous people ya allah right so this was the beautiful dua that yusuf alayhis salam made right so this concludes the story the narration of the story of Yusuf alayhi salam in this beautiful surah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the next verse, which which we'll go over today, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasalam, who he has revealed this whole story to. He says to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasalam after narrating the whole story, مِنْ الْغَيْبِ And this is verse number 102 of Surah Yusuf. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasalam, ذَٰلِكَ مِنْ This whole story, this whole narration, the story of Yusuf alayhi salam, as narrated from the beginning of the surah to now. This is from the, the the news of the unseen. This is information of Incidents and events in the in the life of Yusuf a.s. that you, Ya Muhammad, s.a.w. did not witness. You didn't see these things. So for the Prophet, s.a.w. this is ghaib. This is something that he did not witness, that he did not see. He was not present at that time. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him knowledge of what happened. So he said, This is from the information of the unseen. This is from the knowledge of the unseen that we have revealed to you. We have given you this knowledge. Of these things that happened in the life of Yusuf salam and his family that you didn't witness, that you didn't know, that you had no knowledge of, but we we revealed this information to you. Nuhihi ilayk. That we gave you wahi, we gave you revelation to inform you of this story that you didn't see. And you were not present. Ya Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa you were not present when the brothers of Yusuf made their plan to get rid of Yusuf alayhi salam when they plotted against him you were not there ya Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa you didn't witness this you were not present but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is the one who gave you the knowledge of what happened and and with with so much detail mashallah right from the from the childhood of Yusuf alayhi salam over the years over uh, you know his bringing his family to Egypt the whole story Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed it to the Prophet. This is from the knowledge that Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala gave our Prophet وسلم, through revelation. And you were not present when they when they brought together their plan and they made their their they made their plans to get rid of Yusuf alayhi You were not there. When they came up with this plot and they made this plan. But the people, most of the people, no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you want it, no matter how much effort you make to call them to the right path, they will not believe. So, what is the relationship here with the story of Yusuf alayhi salam? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the story, this whole story of Yusuf alayhi salam to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam." Then he tells the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam that this is from the knowledge of the unseen, that you didn't know, but we revealed it to you. We gave you this knowledge through revelation and you were not there when it happened. You were not there when these incidents occurred, but still we gave you this knowledge. And most of the people, no matter how hard you try, they won't believe. So what is the relationship with Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala telling the Prophet sallallahu that even if you try really hard most people will still not believe what is the relationship with Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala telling this to the Prophet sallallahu and the story of Yusuf alaihi we have to go back to the reason for the revelation of this surah why was this surah revealed in the in the first place what incident occurred for Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala to reveal this surah and narrate the story of Yusuf alaihi the mufassirin have said that there were some Jews, right, who wanted to test the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They heard that there is this man in Mecca who is saying that he is a, a prophet and he is a messenger, right? So the Jews, some of the Jews, they wanted to test, like, let's see what, you know, if, if he really has knowledge. Let's see if if the the revelation that he claims to receive is in accordance with the revelation that our our prophets and our people received Uh, before. They wanted to test the Prophet ﷺ to see if he knows these things. Because the Jews, they were Ahlul Kitab. They had knowledge of previous scriptures, right? So they wanted to see if the Prophet ﷺ the information that he would get, if it would conform with what they knew. So they told the Quraysh, some of the Jews, they met with the Quraysh and they said, ask him, this man who's claiming to be a Prophet, ask him about the story of a Prophet who moved from Philistine to Egypt and his father lost contact with him and he his father was so sad and he cried a lot and he lost his eyesight. Ask Muhammad about this story. Let's see what he says, right? And the Quraysh, they were not Ahlul Kitab. The Kuffar of the Quraysh, they were idol worshippers. They were not people who had knowledge of, of previous scriptures. The Arabs, they didn't know this, these stories. They didn't know about these previous prophets. They, they had no knowledge of these things, right? And the Jews knew that. The Arabs, they don't know these things. So this would be a real test for the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Let's see if you know, he receives revelation about this story that the Arabs don't know. There, there would be no other way for him to know this. He's an Arab, he's from Quraysh. He, he doesn't have knowledge of previous scriptures. So if he gets information, if he knows this story, then the only way he could have gained this knowledge is through revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it was a, it was a test. So the Jews asked some people from the Quraysh, they said, just ask him about, about the story of a prophet who moved from Philistine to Egypt and he lost contact with his father. His father was so sad, the father cried and lost his eyesight. Ask him about this. story. So the Quraysh said, okay. And they asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi about this. And then Allah subhanahu wa Ta-A'la, as an answer to this, he revealed Surah Yusuf. He revealed Surah Yusuf with a very detailed explanation to the question. Tell us the story about this, this boy. So the, the whole story was narrated in the most beautiful way in the Quran. Na alayka ahsan that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he, he narrates the most beautiful of stories. So this, this true story of Yusuf alayhi salam, was, was revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi and the reason behind its revelation was to answer this this question that the jews asked through the Quraysh. so the answer became very clear yes that the prophet sallallahu he received this revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he and and, and the whole story was narrated the prophet sallallahu alaihi he recited the surah the whole story was narrated the, the question was answered in great detail and with great beauty Right. So what should have been the reaction of these Jews? Right? It was a test for the Prophet. So obviously he passed the test. Right? That yeah, he, I mean, he, he got the revelation of the whole story. And he and, and, and he recited it to them. But still, that's where the relation of this ayah, verse number 103. That's where the relation of this ayah comes with the story of Yusuf alayhi salam. That most of the people, no matter how hard you try, they still won't believe. So they tested the Prophet. He passed that test. He tells them the story based on the revelation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to him, yet still most of them they don't believe. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Most of the people, no matter how hard you try. No matter how much effort you make, they still won't believe. Right? So this was the situation of these Jews. They asked the Prophet ﷺ this question, he answered this question, but still they didn't believe in him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he mentions this. Most of the people, even if you give a great effort to call them to the right path, they still will not believe أجر, the next verse أجر, and you're not even asking them for any type of payment for this right you're you're reciting the Quran to them you're conveying the message to them and you're not asking for them to give you anything in return you're not asking for 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 a payment or for a salary or for some income you're not, you're not asking them for any of this you are doing it out of your duty towards Allah subhanahu and your reward is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're not even asking them for anything, for any benefit from their side. right? So they should understand that if you were not truthful, you would be trying to get some type of an advantage from them. When you call them to this religion, if a person is not truthful, they will always be trying to look for some type of of benefit for themselves, or some type of advantage for themselves. They will ask for some type of a payment, or they will ask for this benefit or that benefit. But the Prophet وسلم, was not asking for any of these type of things. So that's a sign of his truthfulness. He's conveying the message, he's going through great difficulty and great hardship in conveying this message because so many people are against him. Yet still he's doing it so diligently, still he's making such a great effort, right? If he wasn't truthful, why would he be doing this type of thing? Why would he put himself in such a hardship and such difficulty? He's not asking for for money. He's not asking for payment, right? The reason why he's doing it is because this is the message that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has given him. This is the duty that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has given him, right? So this is a sign of his truthfulness, of his truthfulness, and it's the sign of the truthfulness of all prophets that they would they would do their duty without asking for any type of payment for doing it. وما أَجْرٍ You're not asking them for any type of payment. إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا ذِكْرٌ لِلْعَالَمِينَ Rather, this is a reminder for all of the worlds. And it's the job of the Prophet ﷺ to convey this reminder to human beings and to jinns, the alameen, right? This is this is a reminder for all of the worlds. إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا ذِكْرٌ للعالمين. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues to talk about the the disbelief or the stubbornness of the disbelievers that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows them so many signs, he shows them so many proofs, right? And the story of Yusuf itself is a proof. The Prophet wasalam, conveying the story of Yusuf alayhi salam, this is a proof of his prophethood. There's no way he could have known this story except through revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this surah was a sign. Right? Yet still, the people rejected the Prophet وسلم, Anyways, so this is one sign, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala showed many signs, many signs in the heavens, on the earth. Right? Yet still, most of the people they turn away from these signs. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Wa مِّن min فِي fi وَالْأَرْضِ يمرون عليها." How many signs did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala show the disbelievers? He showed them signs in the sky. For example, the moon being split, right? The kuffar of the Quraysh, they asked the Prophet, split the moon for us, and if you do it, then we will believe in you. So then the Prophet, he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give them what they were asking for. The moon got split into two pieces. They could see it. One half of the moon. Over one mountain, another half of the moon over another mountain. The kuffar of the Quraysh, they witnessed this with their own eyes. Right? They saw this sign, yet they still continued upon their disbelief. So many signs in the heavens, in the earth, in the sky, and on the land. How many signs did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala show them in the skies and on the earth? And they pass by these signs, they see these signs, they witness these signs. But still, they turn away from these signs, out of their out of their stubbornness. This is another quality of the kufar of the Quraysh. And most of them. They do not believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except that they also associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, the kuffar of the Quraysh, did they believe that Allah was their creator? The answer to that question is yes. If you were to ask them who created you, ask the kuffar of the Quraysh. Ask Abu Jahal, Abu Lahab, Al Aas Wa'il, Al Waleed ibn Al mughira these enemies of Islam. Ask them who created you. What will their answer be? They will say Allah. So they did not deny that Allah was their creator. But at the same time, they associated partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. They worshipped idols as well, hundreds of idols, literally. Right. And they said, like, yes, these idols are our are our way to Allah. They are a pathway to Allah. They are our, our inter- see- uh, they, they will do intercession for us with Allah, right? So they used to worship idols as well. So they believed Allah was their creator, but they did not practice Tawheed. Even when they would do the pilgrimage, right? When they would do their form of Hajj. You know the Talbiyah that we say, Allah اللَّهُمَّ La لَا شَرِيكَ لَكَ لَكَ Hamda إِنَّ الْحَمْدَ وَالنِّعْمَةَ Wal Mulk La Sharika Lak." Right? A, a Talbiyah of pure Tawheed. Here we are, Ya Allah, here we are. Here we are, Ya Allah. You have no partner. La In wa al mulk. All praise and all blessings are from you, Ya Allah. And the kingdom belongs to you alone, Ya Allah. La لك Then again, we ended with La Sharikalaq. That there is no partner to you, Ya Allah. You have no partner. So this is Tawheed. This is the way that we do the Talbiya as Muslims, Alhamdulillah. The kufar of the Quraysh, how did they used to do it before? They used to say, illa ma malak. They used to say, ya Allah, here we are, Ya Allah. And you have no partner except for a partner that you own and you own what it owns. So what does that mean? It means that, Ya Allah, we believe you are the creator, and you don't have any partner except you do have some partners that are under you, that you own those partners, and you own what they own. So they associated partners with Allah. So they believed Allah was the creator, but they still said that Allah has partners, but those partners are under Allah. So this was their belief of shirk. So Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala says about them, Even those that believe in Allah, most of them, even who believe in Allah, They believe in him while still associating partners with him. This was the belief of the Quraysh. They believed Allah was their creator, yet they associated partners with him anyways. And of course, this belief in Allah is not going to be of any benefit to them because of the fact that they associated partners with him. And because they did not practice Tawheed, they did not worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, even though they believed he is their creator, the fact that they didn't worship him alone, that is going to earn them and eternity in the hellfire. They will not be forgiven because Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala says, Allah does not forgive that partners be associated with him. But as for sins that are lesser than that, he forgives it for whomever he was. But if, a, but if a person dies associating partners with Allah, Allah will not forgive it. Right? And this was what the Kuffar of the Quraysh practiced. They practiced shirk wal بالله. وَمَا يؤمن أكثرهم بالله إلا And most of them don't believe in Allah except that they also associate partners with Him. So they believe that Allah is their creator, but they also worship others besides Him. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a warning. Do they feel safe? These kuffar who are disobeying Allah who are associating partners with Allah who are not following the right path who are not accepting the truth from the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, do they feel safe from the punishment of Allah coming to them and 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 encompassing them and covering them do they feel safe from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala coming and covering them or do they feel safe from the, from the final hour coming? Do they feel safe from the time of Yawm Al-Qiyamah coming to them suddenly? When they don't even realize? They're just living their lives oblivious, but the punishment of Allah Subh'anaHu wa ta'ala can come to them in an instant and change everything, Right? In another verse that's similar to this, Allah Subh'anaHu wa ta'ala says: أَهْلُ يَأْتِيَهُمْ وَهُمْ نَائِمُونَ أَوْ أَهْلُ يَأْتِيَهُمْ وَهُمْ يَلْعَبُونَ مَكْرَ اللَّهِ فَلَا يَأْمَنُ مَكْرَ اللَّهِ إِلَّا الْقَوْمُ That do the people of the cities, meaning the disbelievers of the cities, do they feel safe? From the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala coming to them in the night while they're sleeping? When they're sleeping in the night, do they feel safe that the punishment of Allah won't come to them? Or do they feel safe from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala coming to them in the daytime while they're playing? Do they feel safe from this? Afa aminu do they feel safe from the plan of Allah? No one feels safe from the plan of Allah that the punishment of Allah may come to them suddenly. No one feels safe from this, except losers, people who are losers. Right? You should never feel safe that, okay, no matter what I do, the punishment of Allah is not going to come to me. Right? Only a loser will think like this. A person who who knows Allah, who has belief in Allah, they will always have hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but at the same time, they will have fear from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. A person who feels completely safe that ah, no matter what I do the punishment of Allah is never going to come to me this person is a loser this person is deceived then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the next verse he commands the prophet muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to say qul sabili ana wa man wa wa ma ana Allah subhanahu wa taala is commanding the Prophet sallallahu alaihi Wasallam to say to the people, "Qul hadihi sabili." Say, "This is my path, this path of Islam, the path of worshiping Allah subhanahu wa taala alone. This is my path. This is the way that I am on. Hadihi sabili. Adu ilallah, and I call others to Allah. This is my path, the path of conveying the truth, the path of trying to bring people to al-sirat al-mustaqim. This is my path." And I'm calling to Allah based upon knowledge. I'm not just randomly calling to Allah. I'm calling to Allah, calling to Allah based upon knowledge. I am calling to Allah, and those people who follow me, they're also calling to Allah. So, this is the job of all of us. If we consider ourselves true followers of the Prophet Muhammad, then it is our job to convey the message as well. The Prophet وسلم, was commanded to say هذه سبيل أدعو إلى الله على ana أنا Say, this is my path. I call to Allah based upon knowledge, me and whoever follows me. So this, of course, this was the mission of the Prophet Sallallahu to call the people to Allah based upon knowledge. And it is our job as well. It is our responsibility to call the people to the truth right to call the people to the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but when we do this very important it has to be it has to be based upon knowledge not some random da'wah where you don't have knowledge you don't know what you're saying and you're just talking based upon your own whims and desires no this is not da'wah da'wah calling people to Allah has to be based upon knowledge I'm not saying everyone who does da'wah has to be a scholar has to be a you know, a, 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 a great alim or something like that. No, but whatever you, whatever level of da'wah you're able to do, it should be based upon knowledge that you have. So the more knowledge you have, the more you will be able to call to Allah. But even if you have a little knowledge and you, you teach people that knowledge, that is a form of da'wah as well. So everyone based upon their level of knowledge, but don't go above your level of knowledge. That's the important thing. Because when you start speaking without knowledge, then you will do more harm than good. So yes, everyone give da'wah, and everyone's ability and everyone's level of giving da'wah, it will be different based on the amount of knowledge you have. So you have a little knowledge, give da'wah based upon that knowledge. You have more knowledge, you give da'wah based upon whatever you have, right? So that's what it means. Do it based on knowledge, ala basira. And the Prophet wasallam, he said, بَلِّغُ uh, uh, Convey what... I am teaching you, even if it's one ayah. This is what the Prophet ﷺ said. ayah." Convey from me, even if it's one ayah. So even if you learn one thing from the Prophet ﷺ and you teach it, you are doing da'wah. You are doing da'wah, alhamdulillah. So everyone should do it based upon their level of knowledge. But the important thing, don't, don't go past your level. If you have a certain level of knowledge, don't talk about things that you don't have knowledge about. Just stick to what you do have knowledge about. Right. this is the, the right way of giving da'wah. The, the Prophet is commanded to say wa subhanAllah and all glory belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is free of what the disbelievers ascribe to him. The Kuffar of the Quraysh say that Allah has partners Right, but subhanallah, like Allah is, is, is free of this. Allah has nothing to do with that which they are associating with him. Subhanallah al-mushrikeen. And I am not. I am not from the Mushrikeen. I am not from those who associate partners with Allah. But subhanallah al-Mushrikeen. Right. So this is what the Prophet وسلم, is commanded to say very beautiful verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands the Prophet sallallahu to say that this is my path, I call to Allah based upon knowledge, I and those who follow me, we all call to the path of Allah and Allah is free of what the disbelievers associate with him, he is free of those partners that they say he has and I am not from those who associate partners with Allah. Rather, I worship Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala alone. Wa ma I am not from the mushrikeen. Then Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala reminds the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi that there were other prophets that were sent before the Prophet Muhammad SallAllahu The Prophet Muhammad SallAllahu he is the last of prophets. But before the Prophet Muhammad SallAllahu there were many other prophets. There were many other prophets who went through hard times, like the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi was going through. They went through difficulties, like the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi was going to. So Allah subhanahu wa taala reminds the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam about previous prophets a lot. There are many surahs where Allah subhanahu wa taala reminds our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam of the struggles, of the difficulties, of the hardship of previous prophets. Because the Prophet ﷺ was currently going through those those same type of difficulties. So Allah revealed these stories to him to let him know that, look, there were Prophets in the past. They went through this as well. But in the end, look what happened. They were successful. Allah saved them. Allah took care of them. So just like Allah took care of them, Allah is going to take care of you. So it's something that gave comfort to the heart of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi knowing that yes, he's not the first one who's going through these things. He's not the only one. He's not the first one who went through these things. Many, many prophets in the past, they went through difficulties with their people, right? And just like Allah took care of, of those prophets, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala will take care of you. So it, it was something to give peace to the Prophet Sallallahu through a difficult time that he was going through. Those years in Makkah, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he went through a lot of hardship, a lot of difficulty, a lot of pain, right? Those were difficult years. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is strengthening the heart and the resolve of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam by narrating these stories. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Prophet sallallahu wasallam, And we did not send before you except men. And we, we sent revelation to these men, and these men were from Ahlul Qura, they were from the people of the cities. So here Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala gives some characteristics of prophets that came before the Prophet Muhammad SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ إِلَّا رِجَالًا We did not send as messengers before you, except men. So this verse is a proof that all, all prophets, they were men. There were no women prophets. Right, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala specifically says, رِجَالًا We did not send as messengers before you except men, Nuhi that we sent wahi to, we sent revelation to these men, من أهل And these men, they were from the people of the cities. They were not from the, the Bedouins. They were not from the people of the of the desert. They were rather from people of the cities. Right, the prophets, they were people who came from cities right and 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 you know usually people who would grow up as Bedouins like far away from uh, civilization far away from the cities these people really they wouldn't uh, you know they wouldn't have much in terms of of the ability to deal with people they wouldn't have much in terms of uh, of interactions with other people right and that's why even during the time of the Prophet Wasallam, you you know, there are many narrations, many hadith about the Prophet Sallallahu and some Bedouins who would come and interact with him. So when the Bedouins would interact with the Prophet Sallallahu you, you see the personality of the Bedouins is very different from the personality of the people who grew up in the cities. Right. So the Bedouins usually they're kind of harsh and uh, you know they they, they, they they don't have the same social skills as people who are brought up in cities. So, for example, the man who came in the time of the Prophet to Masjid Nabawi had urinated in the Masjid. Right? He didn't think he was doing anything wrong. This man, and he was a Bedouin. Right? He didn't know any better, really. Right? And and other incidents. Once the Prophet uh, a, a Bedouin came to him and like pulled him, pulled his pulled his garment. Right? And said, "Give me, give me some sadaqa." Right? In a very harsh kind of way. Right? So this the way of the Bedouins. It's usually like this. They're not very good in socially. Interacting with people, so Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, the prophets that He sent, they were men whom He gave revelation to. القرى, from the people of the cities, from the people of the cities, not from the people of the uh, of the of the, of the uh, you know outside tribes, outside of the civilized areas, not not from those people. Rather, the prophets they were from cities. Their message, of course, it was for everyone. It was for the people of the cities and for the Bedouins as well. But the prophets themselves, they came from Ahlul Qura. They came from the cities actually, right? And they had these good characteristics where they were able to, uh, you know, interact with people in in a, in a good way. Because to give da'wah, and that's the main job of a prophet, to give da'wah, right? Give da'wah, you need to know how to deal with people, right? So this is, this is one of the reasons why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he made the prophets from Ahlul Qura from the people of the cities, not from the Bedouins. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِن قَبْلِكَ إِلَّا رِجَالًا نُّحِي إِلَيْهِمْ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْقُرَىٰ We did not send us messengers before you except men that we gave wahi, that we gave revelation to from the people of the cities. أَفَلَمْ يَسِيرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ فَيَنْظُرُوا كَيْفَ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ min qablīhim. Would they not go around, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, basically, the people, if they want to see the proof, if they want to see signs, look at what happened to previous nations. Let them travel to different parts of the earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he sent prophets to different different areas, to different people in different parts of the lands. So didn't the people, wouldn't they just go around to different lands? Can't they go and see? Different places and let them see how the end was for those people who came before them. So the kufar of the quraish, if they want to know what happens when people reject their messenger, like what the quraish were doing to the Prophet, Allah is telling them basically, if you want to know what happens when people reject their messengers, just go to other parts of the of the of the land, go to different lands. Will they not go and look at different lands? فَيَنْظُرُوا كَيْفَ كَانَ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ Will they not travel to different lands and see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the end for those people who came before? Look at what happened to the people of Nuh when they rejected Nuh Look at what happened to the Ad when they rejected Huda. Look at what happened to Thamud when they rejected Salih. Look at what happened to the Qawmi Lut when they disbelieved in their messenger Lut. Look at what happened to the people of Madian when they rejected Shu'aib. Look at what happened to Fir'aun and his army when they rejected Musa. Look at all of these things. The end is always the same. For people who reject their prophets, the end is always the same. Right? So, this is a lesson. How was the end for those people who came before them? Look at it. Get a lesson from this. And the abode of the hereafter, it is better for the people who have taqwa. If you have taqwa, then you will have jannah. And that's better. That's better than anything that you can have in this world. The dar, the abode, the final place, the home. Of those who have taqwa, it is better. Don't you use your aql, don't you use your mind. Take lessons from these things. Previous nations, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala is reminding the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam, previous nations who disbelieved in their prophets, those prophets were patient for a long time with their people. The punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not come to those disbelievers immediately. Rather, those prophets gave them da'wah, they conveyed the message, they worked hard for a long, long, long time. And most of the people still continue to disbelieve. <laughs> and it lasted so long. The, their, their efforts of, of giving da'wah and the continuous rejection, it went on and on and on for so long that those messengers, they, they would lose hope. They would think that, you know, we've done everything that we can. And these people, they just won't believe. We've tried our best and they just won't believe. It reached a level where they lost hope that the people would believe. And these prophets, they thought that, you know, we are being rejected by these people, they will never believe in us. Then what happens? Ja'ahum nasruna. Then the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes to those prophets and the believers who were with them. So these prophets, they try and try and try and try and try. You know, when they see, when they feel that look, we've done everything that we can, we've tried, we've tried, we've tried, but these people they just won't believe. Then the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would come to those prophets. Ja'ahum nasruna, man and whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed to be saved would be saved. And who would Allah save? When the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would come down on the disbelievers, the believers would be saved. Allah would save the prophets and those who believed with them. For example, when the punishment came to Ad, after they rejected Hud for so long, and the punish- time for the punishment finally came, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَمَّا جَاءَ أَمْرُنَا نَجْجَيْنَا هُودًا وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مَعَهُ بِرَحْمَةٍ مِّنَّا That when the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came, when the command for the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon the disbelievers came, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he saved Hud and those who believed with Hud. So the the Prophet and the believers were saved, the punishment came to the disbelievers. Same thing for Thamud with Salih alayhi salam. فَلَمَّا جَاءَ أَمْرُنَا نَجْجَيْنَا صَالِحًا when the order for the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came for Thamud, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved Salih السلام, and He saved those who believed with Salih alayhi salam and the punishment came to the disbelievers. Right? So this is how it worked. So whoever Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala willed to be saved would be saved. And who did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will to be saved? The believers. The prophets and those who believed along with them. But as for the evildoers, the mujarimeen, the criminals, these disbelievers, the punishment there was nothing that could prevent the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala coming to them. The punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon them was inevitable, and there was nothing that would turn it back. There would be nothing that could push back the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the disbelievers, for the mujarimeen. For the evildoers. And nothing could push back the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon the mujrimin, upon the criminals, the evildoers. And the last verse of the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Surely in the stories of these prophets, the story of Yusuf alayhi salam, and the story of other prophets that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has narrated in the Qur'an, in all of these stories, what do we find? Surely in the stories of these prophets, there is a lesson for the people of understanding. If you use your mind, if you reflect, you will find lessons in all of these stories that you can actually benefit from in your own life. Ma kana hadithan yuftara. This Quran that has these stories, that has these lessons, it is not a made-up, forged Story. This is all real. This is not a forged speech. Rather, it is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is not forged speech. But rather, it is a confirmation of the scriptures that came before it. The Quran is a confirmation of the Torah and the Injil and scriptures that came before the Quran. The Quran. Affirms and confirms these revelations, but previous revelations were altered and changed by the people. Right? But the Quran came to affirm that yes, those previous revelations were from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well, but the people they changed them over time. So the Quran confirms yes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he revealed previous scriptures to prophets as well. So the Quran is it confirms that. It is a confirmation of what came before it. وَتَفْصِيلَ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ And in this Qur'an, this Qur'an has an explanation for everything. Any question that you ask, you will find the answer in the Qur'an, right? And some people, they try to, you know, some people who want to speak against Islam, they will try to misinterpret this verse. They will say, oh, you say the Qur'an has explanation for everything? Okay, so tell me if the Qur'an has an explanation for everything, then tell me uh, how many rakat you pray in the fajr prayer. Fajr prayer, the far prayer is two rakat, right? So someone will say, like, okay, tell me where the Quran says it is an explanation of everything. What kulli The Quran is a clear explanation for everything. So where is the explanation? How many rakat I'm supposed to pray for fajr prayer? Two rakat. Where do you find that in the Quran? There's no verse that says fajr prayer is two rakat. But this is a, a, a faulty understanding because the explanation is there. It is there. So, if someone asks you, okay, the Quran says it is tafsila kulli shay, that it is a clear explanation for everything. So, tell me, where's the explanation about how many rakat I should pray for Fajr prayer? The right answer to this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhal ladina amanu, allaha wa ati'ul rasool. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O oh, you who believe, obey Allah and obey the Messenger. Allah says this in the Quran. What did the messenger teach us about Fajr prayer? That it's two raka'ah. So we're we're following the Quran. We're obeying our messenger who told us how to do this. The answer is there. So you can say, yes, the answer is there in the Quran. The answer is there in the Quran. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us to obey our messenger. And our messenger taught us this. The answer is there, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that every detail has to be explicitly mentioned in the Quran itself. That's not what this means. But it means you will find the answer to everything that you look for in the Quran. And when you find it in the, when you, when you find how to do something in the sunnah of the messenger of sallallahu Alaihi wasallam, then know that you are also following the Quran. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, whoever obeys the messenger has obeyed Allah. So that's it. The Quran, everything is there. Explanation for everything is there. Wah and it is guidance. It tells you what is right and what and, and it tells you to avoid what is wrong. It differentiates between the truth and falsehood. So it, it shows you the right path and it warns you from the wrong path. It is guidance for you. You follow this book, you follow the principles and instructions in this book, then you are guided. وَرَحْمَةً and it is also mercy. If you read the Qur'an, you get so much reward. You will find barakah in your life. You will find blessing in your life. You will find shifa. You will find healing for illnesses, psychological illnesses, physical illnesses. It's all there. This is rahmah. The Qur'an is mercy for those who read it and those who reflect upon it and those who implement it in their lives. It is a rahmah. It is a mercy for those who believe. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us all amongst these people. So with this, the the tafsir of Surah Yusuf is concluded. Uh, I hope, inshallah, that we have all benefited from these 10 lessons. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to reflect upon this beautiful story time and time again. It never gets old. You know, no matter how many times you hear this story and read this story and reflect upon the story, it never gets old. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to continue to benefit from it time and time again. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us Uh, To implement the beneficial lessons uh, of the surah in our own lives. And like I mentioned, you know, perhaps the the best summary for the for the theme of this surah is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says on the tongue of Yusuf alayhi salam when he was reunited, when he revealed himself to his brothers. He said, Surely those who have taqwa and sabr, you have consciousness of Allah and you have patience. Then Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala will never allow the reward of those who do good. He will never allow their reward to go to waste. So may Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala make us all from the people of taqwa, the people of sabr. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala allow us, uh, you know, to to learn these qualities from Yusuf Alayhi having consciousness of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala in all situations, having sabr upon difficulties. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala allow us. Uh, you know, to implement this in our lives whenever the situations may occur where we have to have patience. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us patience and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us taqwa in all circumstances. Consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in public and private. May Allah grant us this and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from the muhsineen, from the people who do righteous actions because if we have these qualities and we do righteous actions, you know, the reward of everything we do will be written with Allah and it will never go to waste. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us uh this blessing amen barakallahu feekum wallahu aalam sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajmaeen jazakumullahu khaira and inshallah next week we will we will start a new surah باذن so we will continue with these lessons next week باذن as well jazakumullahu khaira and if we have any questions inshallah we can take some questions right now jazakumullahu khaira